0: Hello and welcome to Friends for Life, a podcast of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's Life Ministry. We're sharing the stories and insights of real people living out God's love for the people He's created. We hope you'll stick around and be our Friends for Life.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Steph Nugebauer. And here with me today is my co-host, Deaconess Dr. Tiffany Manner. And today we're sitting down with a new friend of mine, although not new to Tiffany, Jamie Lynn Tinky Flores. She is a missionary currently serving in Latin America, and as we listen and learn from her, I do believe our eyes will be open to the fact that life issues are not just a stateside concern, but rather the need for a life ministry or life outreach from the church at large exists across the globe and in all seven continents. Jamie Lynn, before we get any further, would you please introduce yourself?
2: Hi. Yeah, it's great to be with you today. Like Steph said, I'm Jamie Lynn. I'm a missionary with the LCMS serving here in Santiago in the Dominican Republic. I've been a missionary serving the region of Latin America and the Caribbean for over five years, based here out of the Dominican Republic for those five years. I live here with my husband, Rafael, who is looking forward to just in a few weeks his graduation from our seminary here in Santiago. Rafael is Venezuelan, and he came here to study um, in our pastoral program. And so he'll be graduating and uh, moving on to the next step in his pastoral formation journey. Um, And I will continue to serve church here through the mission to Latin America and the Caribbean. May
1: I fill in two blanks that I think are going to be helpful for listeners? You are a registered nurse. Yes. And also you are studying through the seminary as well.
2: Yeah, so my first vocation, my first degree, shall I say, I'm a registered nurse. I graduated from Valparaiso University in 2016. And then in the fall of 2020, I began the distance program with Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. They have a distance program for their their deaconess studies. Um, And I began studying online, and that program has a couple opportunities a year to go back for intensives. Um, and I'm finishing up my courses for that study coming through this summer. Um, and then I'll be on a year of internship before graduation next year, God willing.
1: Wonderful. So you have a unique mix of gifts, to and vocations in that you have this theological training that will end soon and you'll become a deaconess. But then also you have a medical background, which allows you to serve in a number of capacities where you are. But Jamie Lynn, your real passion is life ministry. And I'm just wondering, where did that passion come from? And and why is life ministry so important to you?
2: Here in Latin America, it, my current role stemmed from just seeing the need throughout Latin America. But before I even set foot in the Dominican Republic, my family has always been involved. I've watched my mom um, and followed in her footsteps in volunteering for local right to life and things like that, speaking up for those Um, who can't speak for themselves. As a Lutheran school teacher, she cared for those families who just needed that extra support, that life ethic that goes all the way from um, not only the issue of abortion, but all the way through to the end of life. Specifically in high school as a a CNA, a certified nursing assistant, I worked in a long-term care facility um, and was able to care for people in those final days of their life. And then into college, um, worked with a hospice organization. But always was drawn back to those those babies and the kids, always loving each season of life that the Lord gives us here on earth. And I just think Lutherans, we just have a, such a strong confession that we're able to make about the value of life and how Christ during his time on earth, he reached out to everyone. He didn't exclude a group of people, but went to people where they were. And so through all of that, and then coming cross-culturally um, and seeing some of those same needs, being able to reach out to people across borders, across language, across culture, but yet see some of those same, same issues and same needs that are just innate to being human, whether that's um, serving a family with a kid with disabilities or walking alongside um, a young mom um, with little kids who just found out she's pregnant again. And then to the end of life, I've been blessed to watch the Latino culture in particular in the way that they care for their elders. Um, I think we have a lot to learn from them in that specific area. But we also have just a strong confession we can make as Lutherans, and that life ethic that is found throughout Scripture, that Jesus who we profess, that crosses all of the culture and language and borders. And is still true here on the ground here as it is um, wherever you guys are listening from. Tiffany, do you think
1: she'll pass her deaconess program with that answer?
0: Jamie Lynn is fantastic. I've known her now for, I don't know, five or six years. She was probably not too long in the, the field when we met in the Dominican Republic. And she impressed me theologically when we first met. And then it's just only been enhanced by her studies at the seminary. So yeah, this is it's great to have you serving with all of your health and medical background and you know, to add the richness of scripture and the greater knowledge you've been gleaning over these past couple of years. You're you're gonna be just a great deaconess. <laughs>
2: I never imagined, I mean, five years ago, I never imagined my life as it is now, but I also didn't imagine going back into school, going into study, let alone going to the seminary. It just wasn't, it wasn't on my radar. But I've said it again and again, there's a lot of people that were along my way that encouraged it, but it has really just kind of strengthened that foundation of faith that we all have. But to be able to work with the cohort of women that I study with and talk with them and listen from their life experiences. And then also in classes to just be given the opportunity to dig into scripture and and talk through real life things. Um, All the women in the cohort in the distance program are also actively usually serving in other ministry settings. And so there's just a wide variety of experience and we're able to just kind of encourage each other and push each other along the the course path. It's been a really cool experience and it wasn't something I expected that I would be doing, but here I am.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's the same for me, and I said this, similar things about. I, I did not expect the sisterhood, uh, the the diaconal community, and so I guess um, it's not really our topic for the day, but we're kind of getting off on a little digression here. About it. it's it's really um, cool to. Um, one just get to study God's yeah. words at the, at the professors, but it's also really cool to be part of the Deaconess community. So we've got a couple of different distance programs for anyone who's, who's interested. Um, in addition to to you know helping you with resources for life ministry, you know always get in touch with us and we can point you toward Deaconess training if anyone's listening and wants to learn more about that vocation because simply women serving the Lord in His church with some extra knowledge and, and training provided through seminaries or university really a blessing and a privilege to serve the church.
1: And I think you had mentioned, Jamie Lynn, in in previous conversation that there are 10 deaconess students graduating uh, with your husband this spring in Santiago. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. So here in the Dominican Republic, um, we have a seminary that's wrapping up her fifth year. Um, So she's still a young seminary, but she has 10 women graduating this may, along with my husband and another another man that's graduating from the pastoral program. But what's unique about our diaconal program is that it stretches across five countries and serves with Deaconess Daniel Putnam as the director through intensive programs, intensive classes and courses, including now in the last couple of years, some online courses as well. And there's almost, I believe 85 women graduating this year Across those five countries, the first graduation is happening in Mexico um, in just a few days from the time of recording this. But almost wow. 80 women are going to be graduating, which is a huge gift to the church. Uh, the majority of these women are women who've been active in their congregations or missions, um, have been serving the Lord, um, but have committed to sitting and digging into his word more and learning at the feet of professors along with their other sisters in Christ there in whatever country they're coming from. And now we're sending them out. They're gonna be agents of mercy there in those places, which is a huge blessing.
1: In summary, deaconesses aren't aren't just in the US. That's I mean right. they're a thing <laughs> globally.
0: It's a thing. Yeah. Globally for thousands of years. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I also heard you say earlier on that your your real passion for life ministry started first with your mom and her example. And it's just a, a, a great reminder for anyone who is listening, who is a parent or who mentors younger people, that these things are, are picked up, this love and this passion for life through the eyes of Christ, they're picked up through watching and can be picked up at a very young age. Uh, so what a beautiful thing that you learned that from your mother, and hopefully we'll be passing that on to future generations as well. Now, Jamie Lynn, you've talked about your diaconal training, but how does your training as a nurse, as a, as an RN, affect the way that you care for your people in body, mind, and spirit?
2: Yeah, I kind of always say like the nursing training. I learned everything you need to know about the physical body, um, and now I'm just kind of supplementing that and the care we give there um, with the spiritual side. But to be trained in, in what the physical body is and What our creator God has done in all the different systems of our body and how things work together, how we can promote our physical well-being and how sometimes we can not promote it, right? But through education, um, mostly I don't practice acute care here in the Dominican Republic. I haven't worked at a clinic or a hospital, but through um, walking alongside someone who does need care and doesn't know where to start, um, sometimes just making that connection. I've gone on a lot of doctor's visits with a lot of different people who just needed needed that person to be walking alongside of them because they didn't know where to start within the system. Country to country, health systems are very different. Um, and so learning that at the beginning so I can walk people through it. Sometimes that's missionaries, um, mish- people who are visiting us um, as volunteers. I've needed to help with physical things or health matters, but also... Members of our congregation or friends of members of our congregation or family, um, we're able to support them in that area. And then also education, um, which can look formal as like events where we get together and we discuss this type of sickness or prevention for this type of illness. But the majority of that happens one on one um, in conversation. And it doesn't have to be an hour long lecture, but drops in the bucket on educating. When you head out on on home visits, you're able to kind of look um, and assess an environment without saying much at all. And there's opportunities to offer guidance or conversation, but that's never really the initial atten- intent, right? You don't go in and be like, "Well, you should change this, this, and this." No, we start with we start obviously on home visits in the Word of God and um, creating that foundation of a relationship. But then in conversations moving forward, you are able to to support um, and offer offer guidance, all of that, I kind of just lean on that training and knowledge that I gained um, through my nursing time as a nursing aide, and then through um, university.
1: Like I had said, I mean, it's such a unique combination of gifts that you have that you're able to be so in tune to both the spiritual life of the person you're caring for, uh, but also the physical life. And as we've talked before in this podcast, specifically with Dr. John Kleinig, that we are body and soul together. And so for you to be able to speak to and minister to both of those things, your people are very blessed to have you serve them. Now, Jamie Lynn, I would like to eventually get into the specifics of your particular ministry in your area, but as a quick overview for, for people who are listening who don't know much about missionaries, especially within the LCMS, can you tell us about international missions within the Lutheran Church and how missionaries are sent, where our missionaries are sent?
2: Yeah. Um, So that might have changed for some listeners who knew missionaries uh, 30, 40, maybe even 20 years ago. So there's been restructuring from what was known as World Mission is now um, LCMS Office of International Mission. Uh, Within the LCMS, there's different offices for different areas of ministry. There's Office of National Mission, um, which Life Ministry is under, wink, wink. Um, (laughs) And then alongside of that, we have the Office of International Mission within that office which is physically based in, in St. Louis people are sent out into four different regions of the mission. So there is a Africa region of office of international mission, an Asia region, a Eurasia region, which includes Europe. And then another part of Asia that doesn't fit in the Asia region. It's very big over there. Um, and then the region that I know the most about, cause it's where I'm at is the Latin America and the Caribbean region. So in Latin America and the Caribbean. What does that include? Um, If you're thinking of a map from Mexico um, through Central America, all the way through South America, and then the Caribbean islands, um, which is where the Dominican Republic resides in the Caribbean Sea right there. But we have 45 missionaries in our region that are serving on the ground in 11 different countries, including family members, wives and husbands and children or whatever the family looks like. Um, We have over 115 people um, on the ground in those 11 countries serving right now. But not all of those are North American missionaries like myself. Um, We have about two-thirds from North America, which would be the United States or Canada, who are serving in those countries. And then the other third of our missionaries are Latinos. Um, We call them our alliance missionaries, which means um, at this point the definition as a pastor from a Latin America partner church who has been sent um, from his home country to serve alongside of us um, in another place. And so our missionary group serves those 11 countries. Some of those are LCMS church plant missions who are starting from scratch. Like in Belize, that mission just started about six or seven years ago. We have three pastors there working right now. And then the Dominican Republic was also an LCMS is also an LCMS mission. But some of the other countries, like Mexico, our missionaries serve alongside of a existing Lutheran church. We call them our partner churches. And then in addition, outside of those eleven places where missionaries are on the ground, um, we have another nine countries where other partner churches exist. So I like to sum all of that <laughs> confusingness up, especially since we're not looking at a map. By saying there are Lutherans in 20 countries in Latin America and the Caribbean, and your missionaries from the LCMS are serving in 11 of those now. But we support, we we talk with, we communicate with Lutherans in 20 in 20 different countries here in our region of the Office of International Mission. So I wouldn't even try to do that for another mission, another region of the Office of International Mission. <laughs> because I'm not going to know all those details for Africa. So you'll have to grab an African missionary to um, explain to you where Lutherans are in those places. But that's what our context looks like here in Latin America.
0: There's some great resources on the website too. So if we... You can't get an African missionary on the, the podcast, mm-hmm. go to the website at lcms.org and and look at the other regions too. But there's some really uh, fascinating stories. And actually even uh, there's five minutes with a missionary um, new podcast starting up. So that's kind of a neat thing too. If you're interested, listen um, to that new KFUO podcast.
2: Yeah. The Office of International Mission has done really great in these past few years. They've r- ramped up, even their social media presence. So you can find them at LCMS International Mission on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, they're doing some really cool things of sharing real stories from missionaries. Sometimes they pull that from a newsletter or sometimes they get, get a get a text message going with a missionary, but they're getting real, real stories from the field on those sites too.
1: I thought you summed that up very well. For someone being me who thought I had a decent grasp on how missionaries <laughs> were sent, uh, I actually learned... Like a lot from you, <laughs> yeah, uh, and what you shared, and how we partner with other Lutheran churches to be out in the mission field as well. Are all missionaries theologically trained, or are there some missionaries who go to serve medical needs?
2: Yeah, so it's been a huge blessing from my perspective as a missionary. I came out as a lay missionary in 2017. Um, We have a team with a wide variety um, of vocations that's serving the church, places where they're sent. Um, So that's pastors, obviously, and deaconesses. In addition to me, we have another nurse on our team. We have accountants, business managers, lay people who are working in the communications area. We have a regional photographer. A lot of different gifts that have been given, an example of the body of Christ, right? And everyone using their gift then to be spreading The gospel in these places.
1: Jamie Lynn, would you tell us specifically what you do in Latin America and how you serve the people there?
2: My role um, has shifted. I I mean, I've been here for five years, usually. If any one of you are in church work, you know that your role doesn't always stay the same. So you you help in this area and then you go over this area. Um, And now I'm serving as the regional life coordinator is the fancy name we're calling it. But I serve from the regional team, which includes our regional directors, our business manager, and our area facilitators. Because if you can imagine 20 different countries, we have different people with different levels of oversight in these areas and to be communicating well with our partner churches and to be overseeing our missionaries um, and the work they're doing. Um, So I'm part of that team that works regionally. Uh, I live here in Santiago in the Dominican Republic. Although that will also be changing soon, as my husband graduates from seminary, but I serve then the region, those twenty different countries um, and the Lutherans in those places. As the life coordinator, my role is to intersect with our partner churches, with our missionaries, and different programs that we have going on um, within the seminary. Our pastoral formation program, our diaconal formation program, from the seminary we also have a mercy center. So I work. Closely with Deaconess Cheryl Nauman as she heads up the Mercy Center, as well as she heads up our online theological library. So we get resources into the hands of people through that program, which is called VDMA. And so as the life coordinator, I intersect with these people to converse with them about their area of service, their specific church body, the communities that they work in, country to country, the needs are different. Um, and so we talk with them and provide resources, hoping to roll out of workshops in the coming year, things to get them talking about, like in their churches. It looks different day to day. It looks different conversation to conversation because each country has a different need. And within each country, each congregation in each city um, might have a different thing that they're looking for. So, what we do is we try and just gauge what are kind of maybe the top priorities and we work to either translate resources. That would be helpful um, to address those. Or then within our Latino pastoral body, have resources written in the Spanish language by a first language Spanish speaker from the Latin American perspective. That's the short version of what I'm currently doing when I'm not studying. What does that look like just on a daily basis
1: for you and being a regional life coordinator? How does that translate into your daily life?
2: It's a lot of connecting and having conversations. Unfortunately, a lot of them over Zoom virtually like we're doing now. But soon when our graduation comes, this year is the first year we're coming back in person for our annual symposia here on the ground in Santiago. Um, We bring church leadership from around Latin America, as well as our seminary community comes together. And so this will be actually the first time I'm seeing a lot of these a lot of these people in person since I took on this role. Um, And so I'm looking forward to the blessing that is in-person conversations because I feel that you can just accomplish and have such a higher level of understanding and sharing and relationship building and communication um, when you're face-to-face. So over the last year and a half, maybe two years now, time flies when you're having fun. Um, A lot of it's been meeting with people, working behind the scenes on those resources, recruiting guys to write for me and things like that, which I'm hoping to do more when I'm in person because they can't ignore my emails, you know? Um, (laughs) Another perk. (laughs) You know, it's all those kind of things that a lot of behind the scenes stuff that maybe isn't out front on the International Mission website page, but is working to provide those resources and gain an understanding. For me, for each country's needs, each country's current state, each church's maybe weak spot in the confession for life or laws that are coming forward. If you're a country where abortion's been illegal forever and you have a Catholic understanding in your culture, soon you have an abortion law coming on the table and the church hasn't had to respond to that because it wasn't it wasn't a thing. And we're seeing again and again across the region that our churches need to stand now's the time. It's happening. Colombia just passed their abortion law within the last month. The church is now needing to respond to this. So helping them to have that language practically is what I like. I like everything to be practical. So for putting information in your hands, how are you using that? In a workshop phase, how are you doing roundtable discussions to have real conversation about these issues? It's helpful to read about them, but then we have to be able to to use our words and verbalize what we believe, the truth that we see in Scripture, and how that applies to whatever issue you're facing.
1: And speaking of, of language, how does what we consider life ministry in the U.S., how does that translate to a Latin American context, and I guess more specifically where you are in the Dominican Republic.
2: Yeah, so when we were talking about, you know, pushing out information, getting people on board, and as we looked at the direct translation to talk about what life ministry is, um, the word ministry in Spanish is used most often, this isn't to generalize every single country is like this, but a lot of places around Latin America, they use the word ministry for different governmental functions. Um, so we have a ministry of health and we have a ministry of education. Those are all from the government, from the president. He elects people to run these ministries when he gets. Um, this is Dominican right now, because we have a president. He gets elected and he elects his officials to run the ministries. And so when we're talking from from the church, especially from a mission, a non-established church, when people are still saying what's a Lutheran, we don't want to also add in confusion to handing out pieces of paper or talking about something that sounds like it's from the government, that makes sense. And so um, we decided to obviously know that this is life ministry, but to name it a different different name for different types of publications or to converse about it more easily within the culture that we're in so it doesn't cause concern or confusion. So here in Latin America, we're starting what we call the Abundant Life Project, a Proyecto Vida abundante. And we're starting that with a Bible study that digs into that verse from John 10, 10, where Jesus talks. He's telling the disciples about how um, the thief, that is the devil, has come to seek and to kill and to destroy, but that I have come that they may have life um, and have it in abundance. And so we're starting there and we're going to call it that just for ease of communication to not confuse that we're not from the government. <laughs> we're We're the church. It's mm-hmm. us to not be the government.
0: And that's that's not just a, a Latin context. When I mean, we see that in in Europe as well, a lot of a lot of countries. And so uh, I, I don't know. I think Jamie Lynn has probably traveled a lot more than I have, but I think I've been in somewhere I don't know, twenty, thirty countries, uh, four continents. And as American Christians understand ministry, is not the right the way the word the rest of the world understands the word ministry. I mean, the root of it is service and serve. And you know that's that's even at the, the core. Of it but just in the US it's, it's like a service just of the church, but other places ministry is, is a public service of a lot of different sorts of service. So uh, this helps us all that you know, kind of broaden our perspective and realize that there's other cultures even that are English speaking that use language and, and words and conceptually differently than, than we do in the United States.
1: And Jamie Lynn, I can't speak for others. I can strictly speak for myself. But as an American citizen born and raised, I have the tendency to think through things through the lens of an American citizen. And I think that's just natural. Yeah. But the problem with that is that we forget that there are other countries out there who, as you had said, deal with the same life issues, but their needs are different from country to country. And even the specifics of a City. And I mean, we think about this in the US how different certain states are from other states, even on specific issues like abortion. And now we're talking several countries. It's just a human tendency to. Look at issues through the lens of where you're from and where you're living without remembering that there are other countries and other communities of people, cultures who look at things very differently and also who handle issues differently and whose issues are just different in general. You mentioned the fact that each country has its own certain life issues that are especially pressing and then each city really does too down to the city level. Let's start maybe with the easier question. How are life issues the same globally or around the globe? Or what are the similarities? And then later we'll get into how are the life issues across the globe different? But first, are we all dealing with the same stuff in terms of our value of life or our devaluation of human life in general from conception to death?
2: I'm not pretending to be an expert across the world, but I think that the human condition, unfortunately, we see across cultures and across borders is that there's populations of people that are considered less than in a different area That might that might be the unborn in a different area that might be the elder population in some places. It might be three or four different populations of people. But unfortunately, we see this common tendency to select a group of people and be like your life isn't worth it for X, Y, or Z reasons. The culture has kind of just decided that. From my perspective here on the ground in the Dominican Republic, we have parades and we have marches in affirming life, in resisting abortion laws being passed. There are strong groups of uh people who speak out about that. However, um we have hundreds and thousands of people with disabilities who have been abandoned by their families and considered less than human and who are orphaned or um, rejected across the island. And so on one side, you have this this life-affirming groups of people that are are speaking up for the unborn, but then those who are born with disabilities are not granted that same um, life-affirming effort. And that's one way that our church and our mission in this place has reached out in Mercy is through disability ministry. I find it concerning then within a country to see that that difference and as the church we need to have that consistent life ethic if you will consistency across the board speak up on behalf of all lives and that's an example of within Latin America I mean we're starting in some of our youth groups here to talk talk about abortion and things like that but the Dominican Republic as a as a general population That would be the most pressing need for resources or teaching. Perhaps the life issue that's most important on their list here would be like we've been doing is teaching and reaching out and caring for those with disabilities. Teaching what it means to be human and to be loved by God despite being born with disabilities. Because we're seeing and we have seen that that's not the consistent belief here. And so to see and to celebrate that there's a life-affirming side for the abortion issue, and then to include then to continue to advocate for other areas and other life issues as well. That's just kind of an example of that here locally.
0: Yeah, I would add to that, in globally, you know, like what, what Jamie Lynn's describing here, what we see so many places is that the church certainly around the world, I and mean, in the same, like always valuing every life that God has, has created, God has made. You know, but as Jamie Lynn's describing, there's this age-old battle where, where Satan is, is seeking to, to lie and, and deceive and convince people and cultures that some lives are, are not worthy of the, the value and, and the love that, that they are. God has inherently given them in his creation and in sending his son to die for all human life. So, you know, Satan's been um, trying to confuse efforts and lead astray, you know, for millennia. And as this is, continues, one of his favorite deceptions is to, to convince for a variety of reasons, and as Jamie Lynn described, a variety of different groupings or issues in their lives that like, oh, these, these people are less than, um, these people are not worthy of, of life or worthy of care, worthy of, of mercy and, and love. And, and of course, we know that that's not true, that Jesus died for all. You know, there's just variety. There's there's variety that Satan's—I mean, he's got the, the age-old lie, but he you know, has some, some special spins on it in different places. been roaming the, the earth for a while and, and spotting our vulnerabilities. So that's, you know, I just you know, kind of want to call it out for what it, it is. This is. This is a type of way that, that Satan is trying to, to divide the people on earth, one from the other, and, and from
1: our Lord. Yeah, I mean, using exactly the John 10, 10 verse of how the thief, Satan, comes to kill And destroy. He's roaming about like a roaring lion, but that Christ has come to have life abundantly and to give it freely. And so thank you for that. That these are not specific to the United States of America. This battle, as Tiffany had said, this age-old battle is a global battle that has been going on since the fall into sin. Jamie Lynn, where you are in the Dominican Republic, there a heavy Christian presence there. Is the church a dominant part of culture?
2: I would say that the culture has a dominant Christian presence to the end that God is mentioned, um, even in the colloquialisms. So like in greetings, for example, you say, hey, how are you doing? And they respond, I'm good. Thanks be to God. That's a normal in the store greeting. So if you think culturally, like God's name is being spoken, God is God is present there. Um, at least verbally for a moment. The Catholic Church obviously is here on the island. It is big. I unfortunately would say that within the next generation, I'm not sure how strong their their membership is in the in the younger generation and into the youth. We're seeing a slide kind of away from that being a prominent place in the values of a community. And if you think at large, we're starting to see that slide the other direction unfortunately the communities where we're planting churches right now um, some of them also have a chapel that the catholic church a priest comes maybe once a month in one of the communities they the priest comes once a month to do a mass and they don't see him again and so our pastors wearing their clerical shirts look a lot like a catholic priest and in this country that's okay because there's still a respect for for that office and so they call him all father and things like that but in one in one community, they were surprised because they saw a pastor and his two seminarians walking down the street in the middle of the week. What are you doing here? Like, I'm surprised to see you here, Father. <laughs> and the pastor then explained where the mission was and talked about the Lutheran Church and what was happening and gave a little spiel, And they're like, oh, wow, yeah, we're just not used to, I mean... The father comes and goes into the church and then leaves. And why would you be walking through our community? And he's like, well, I'm visiting this person. Oh, I know them, who's now a member, right? The wonderful care that our pastors provide in the communities to their their members now, but also just to stop and, and chat with neighbors and things like that is, a, especially in the eyes of Dominicans, a stark contrast into what the church has done in the past um, in just that community. That's just an example of that. But culturally, I would say they they would still say this is a a Christian culture. And if you look at the census, you're going to see a high percentage claim to be Catholic still to this day.
1: I'm just curious. And Tiffany, since you've traveled to many countries before, you can shed light on this, too. And then Jamie Lynn in your global travels, especially within Latin America, is there any correspondence at all that you see between countries who are still in what you might consider a Christian era versus countries that are maybe what we would consider post Christian and their value of life?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes the, the phrase is used might be um, global south or the majority world. And, and that's because it's kind of referring to the southern hemisphere. But, you know, it's these. It's, South America, Latin America countries, um, also a lot of Africa where Christianity is, is thriving and, and growing and the, the culture is still really focused on the, the family and um, see children as a, a gift from from God. And that's not to say there's not other life issues going on in some of these areas, uh, but for the most part, if there's a greater respect culturally for Christian faith. Um, it's, it really does seem to go hand in hand with some of the legalization of, of say like abortion and euthanasia are not as prevalent in these countries. It's it's not quite that simple.
2: Yeah, it's really always hard to speak of such large areas of the world in, in general terms because you kind of always miss a little bit. Just within South America, you see a stark contrast between some of the northern countries, I, Venezuela being one of them unfortunately suffering some hard times, but still still rather Christian. Um, down to Uruguay, which is the most secular country on this side on the on the western um, hemisphere. And I think it comes down to Tiffany mentioned respect. Just traveling when I would go to Chile, um, for example, there's not the respect for even the visual clerical, like a pastor or a priest. Um, there's no respect for that. Here there's a there's a serious respect even the traffic cops are like, oh, I'm sorry. There's a respect for that that person because they're seen as doing God's work. And so different country to country, that's sometimes an indicator. It's like, does the culture respect the church? Because when it starts to not respect the church, then it doesn't respect the teachings. And then it's wide open to just a variety of different things culturally.
0: Yeah, I mean, true care and mercy originates from Christ and, and through his church. So you know, that, that's where we see that. I mean, it's, it's not to say that there aren't other countries that are, are not Christian that, that don't respect life. It's just there's a, a real theological foundation here. It was evidenced as we go back hundreds of years in mean, hospitals and physical care originated with, with Christians. So that's just been a, a hallmark of the, the kind of love and mercy that's been shared from, from Christians and people around them, regardless of what their neighbor's faith is. Um, right from this dialogue, the you know, the, right? The whole Good Samaritan. We care for people. It doesn't matter if, if they are Christian or not. You know, that that's really at the heart of it. But yeah, it's hard to paint a really broad brush.
1: That's helpful, though. And as you had said earlier, Tiffany, <laughs> Satan has been roaming the earth for a very long time. His ways are sneaky. So if what I would say the biggest life issues in the United States would be abortion and probably now end-of-life decisions, perhaps. Those are a little bit more in your face, but there's some more subtle or sneaky or just what people wouldn't really see as perhaps a top-life issue in their minds, but a, a life issue nonetheless in that there's a devaluation of human life on a different level or during a different stage of life or due to a particular kind of suffering that someone has.
0: We see that in places like Europe. I mean, so for a lot of years, a really uh, traditionally Christian um, countries in Europe, and, and particularly, you know, say uh, Western Europe. And, and now, uh, with the advent of uh, like socialized medicine, comes with it oftentimes a rationing of care. I'm not saying that socialized medicine is not Christian, but I'm not going to say that. But things start to slip in with it. And all of a sudden, you're having the medical systems make decisions about what lives are more valuable than others. That's a life issue, right? All people should be cared for. Uh, it doesn't matter how long we think they might live or the quality of their life. They're, they're still um, valued and we still care for them. So sometimes it can be very subtle, these major life issues um, in, in the, the country and the culture and some things that have, have um, developed in maybe some in the name of progressivism. That's something that we need to be aware of, too.
1: Jamie Lynn, since you're in a very specific area of of Latin America on a smaller island, the Dominican Republic, can you speak to your specific life issues that your Abundant Life Project is seeking to address? And maybe now you alluded to the fact that you're going to be moving soon to Chile to follow your husband as he continues his pastoral education. Comparing these two countries alone... Can you help us through some of the specifics of the life issues that you battled there and then probably will be faced with when you move to Chile?
2: Yeah, you could probably not pick two more different countries to um, transition in between. They're very different. And we my husband lived there for a couple of years before coming to seminary, so he had some frame of reference. My frame of reference um, for this transition is a two-week trip to visit, and so it's a lot smaller. But in speaking with our pastors there on the ground, I'm I'm seeing a lot of differences in, in the culture, obviously, in society, how things work, and some of their main issues. In comparison, compare and contrast time, um, Dominican Republic versus Chile, I would say that Chile is more advanced, I would say, maybe not as much advanced in things like infrastructure, um, advanced in maybe towards more of a liberalism from what the Dominican Republic we were talking about as more of that kind of Christian subculture. And so we see that impacting our two large Lutheran schools there in the Church of Chile. The pastor one pastor was talking to me about how he's excited for me to come because he wants me to spend some time with the faculty because all the faculty is christian and he ran into one the other day and it came out that she thinks or oh, abortion's okay and he's like was surprised because in the Lutheran school, but a lot more towards liberalism they're just elected more towards actually socialism i um, mean so the the government structure and the way that the culture and all that is working is going to be very different for me. I still have to do more research. But I do know some of the big topics there are going to be abortion. Um, and then just recently, um, we were informed that there's some laws going through that talk about including under what they term hate speech, things like religious talk or denying of different genders. Um, so a gender identity um, it's going to be a big thing under this new law. Being able to speak the truths of God's creation of male and female might be termed hate speech under new laws. That's just not a thing here in the Dominican Republic. We haven't had to. Um, we aren't fighting that change of that definition here um, on the island yet. Like I said before, in the Dominican Republic, life is affirmed, the beginning of life. We have a large disability ministry. That's kind of our biggest life issue here on the ground. And then aside from that here, we also do a lot in marriage workshops um, and supporting, educating about God's definition of marriage and and the gift of family, the gift of children in that framework of marriage and family. And that's a big deal. And that's true in a lot of places in Latin America. I mean, those are kind of the big things that pop into mind when I think of the two places And I'm sure I have a lot more to learn um, about Chile um, as we move there and serve alongside the church in that place. Now, kind of a
1: broader question here, how can what we do in the U.S., our advocacy for life in the States, how does it potentially affect other countries, if at all?
2: Yeah. So back in the day, culture to culture, there was there was a trickle down sometimes over um, a decade or two. Things would move from place to place. Ideas would be shared kind of slowly. And now, for better, for worse, we have, there's no such thing as slow movement of information. It is rapid, rapid speed. We have cell phones and social media, internet, immediate access to information, ideas, articles, videos, podcasts from all over the world. On your fingertips, you can't drive down the street here in the Dominican Republic. I've seen people sitting on the side of the road on their cell phones, and most of them are smartphones at this point. That's changed, I think, since I got here five years ago. The majority used to be kind of just a flip phone texting, and I think majority, I, I'm surprised if I don't see people on the smartphone that does it all. And so, for better or for worse, there's a huge, huge blessing we've seen over the last few years of being able to communicate with our churches around the region at the touch of a button. But then for worse, ideas, ideals, and different things that are contrary to God's word are also being shared. And so how do we combat that? We share the truth when we're given the opportunity to. Sometimes that looks like in Puerto Rico. um, Our missionaries have a radio station that's part of the mission there in the church. And they do devotions, conversations. They do like a coffee chat time, sharing scripture on the radio. And C-P-T-L-N, which is Cristo Ponto de las Nacionis. What is that in English? Lutheran Hour Ministries is around Latin America, um, and they also do things like that as well. So online presence, we've got to be sharing the truth online as well when all the lies are being shared that way. But then that always then needs to point back and bring people in to the family of God. So we're not just throwing information out there but also giving a connect point and also getting out of our houses and walking, visiting people and um, pointing them back to the church, inviting them along um, because there is where we know um, we encounter God's word. Faith comes through hearing. So they need the word of God and then the gifts of God are also in that place waiting for them. And so from the United States, in the place where you are, be proclaiming the truth to the people that you're interacting with I'm not sure you can impact every single person in my area too, um, but be praying for us, be praying for the Lutherans around the 20 countries in Latin America, pray for this strength to continue the work.
0: I think too, you know, as Jamie Lynn brings up, I mean there's this individual impact that uh, our, our missionaries and our, our partner churches and their pastors are having is, is huge. So, you know, you, in, in the advocacy and the spokes in the United States and Lutherans are, are interested. There's, you know, there's a couple of other things they can do. I mean, uh, let's be real about it, like support the missionaries and by support them in their prayers, but also financially because they are making an impact and they can make an impact on, on, on individuals, which impacts entire communities, which impacts the culture. I mean, but then there's also, um, you know, so that, that's our um, vocation as you know, brothers and sisters in Christ to um, support the, the church throughout the world. You know, so, you know, give. Financially, <laughs> send in money to the, the um, LCMS um, Office of International Mission, but also live out your vocation in the kingdom of the left. Um, and by that, I mean, in the United States, in the, the ways that we um, we vote, and we influence policymakers, that impacts what's happening in other countries, because the United States is a pretty loud voice internationally with some of the, these policies that are being um, made. And as Jamie was describing, like some of the The laws that are being written now, these are coming um, actually from the influence of the United States and and the United Nations. And so the administration that we have in our government here impacts these other countries as well. Right now, there's various policies that can kind of ebb and flow based upon um, who is in the executive office, meaning who the president of the United States is. And at the time of this recording, there was a whole bunch of uh, executive orders enacted that's like actively taking legalized abortion to other countries, funding it. United States dollars are funding abortions in countries and funding the advocacy to legalize abortion and and other life issues as well. So, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it. This probably is a topic for another um, podcast, but, you you know, so if you live out your faith as a citizen and you live out your faith as a, you know, Sister, brother in Christ, to our missionaries. That's a way that our advocacy can extend internationally as well and help them to do the work that they're doing. That's you know really impacting a lot of people in, in a lot of countries.
2: There's Lutheran brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that the issues that you're facing in your church or congregation or community or state or country, um, other other places are also dealing with these things. But that what we have in common then is God's word. Um, and our con- common confession of Jesus Christ as our Savior. And with that hope that we have in Him, we're able to get up and confess that through our vocations, like Tiffany was talking about, on a day-to-day basis. When we were talking about the Office of International Mission and sending missionaries, we didn't actually discuss how missionaries get sent. And it's through congregations um, and individuals supporting us financially to do what we do each LCMS missionary is responsible for raising 100% of the funds it takes to keep us, um, to get us to the field and keep us here. Um, and so please carefully consider um, supporting your missionaries in whichever region um, you would like to. Me specifically, you can head to lcms.org backslash Tinky, T I N K E Y. Um, you can read a little bit about Rafael and I. Um, and then through that page, also, there's an option to communicate with me through my email, and then also to give a one-time gift or a monthly gift. Any of that, it's always appreciated and welcomed um, as we continue to serve God here in the Dominican Republic and then throughout Latin America.
1: Thank you. And I just want to say, before recording this episode, you and I, Jamie Lynn, got to have a Zoom that lasted longer than I expected, but the time went by very quickly because you are a super fun (laughs) person to talk to. (laughs) You radiate the love of Christ and the mercy that he has for his people. You embody yourself and you are a joy to talk with and would be a joy to support for anyone who is so inclined to give toward your efforts where you are or toward other missionaries across the globe thank you so much for sparing time with me and with Tiffany and our listeners so that we can learn
2: from you. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was a pleasure.
1: And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. New episodes drop twice each month. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Friends for Life LCMS. And finally, listeners, we want to hear from you. Do you have an idea about a guest you'd like to hear from or a topic you want talked about? Email us at friendsforlife at lcms.org. We want to hear from you about what you want to hear about when it comes to issues of life.
0: Thanks for joining us. Friends for Life is a podcast that introduces listeners to life issues by introducing them to friends who stand for life.